Well, welcome everybody once again. And if you're visiting today, it's all good because we're all on the same page. The reason that is, is because this is the kickoff for our new series, which may go for the whole year. I actually don't know how long it's going to go for, but um, I have a, an inkling that it won't go for more than a year, okay? It won't go for more than a year. We'll get into that on why, but I've entitled the series Called to Influence, Called to Influence, and it's uh, based off this passage, this one verse actually, solely, primarily on this one verse, not solely, primarily from this one verse down in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, where Paul writes to the church in Corinth, imitate me as I imitate Christ. I chose this picture for a number of reasons. Okay, this is my own graphic design, by the way. So, yes, it's a gift I never knew I had. No, just joking. Um, my wife hates it, by the way. Uh, because it's just too bright for her. I'll just dob her in. So I said, no, nah, I'm sticking with it. I like it. And so if you don't like it, then who, yeah, I won't say who cares. There's an arrow in the middle that I chose with different shaped plates they are, by the way, if you're wondering what they were. I actually didn't know they were plates when I first chose this picture. The reason I chose that picture is because it resembles us as a church. Hopefully, as a body of believers, we are focused in the same direction. In other words, we have the same purpose, the one purpose. And really, you could say that purpose is just like any other local church. Really, it is helping each other fulfill the great commandment, love God, love each other, love others, and consequently, fulfilling the great commission, going toward the world preach the gospel, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. We're to grow. There is many different shapes, sizes, though, in this arrow, which resembles our capacity, I really hate the wind, our capacity to influence Within the body of believers. Do you like it up here? Okay, no worries. It is there. Okay, it's much better. I'll try not to breathe as much, heavily. So some of us have more influence than others, and we're all of varying degrees, and it could be for a number of reasons. It could be our age. It could be where we are in life. It could be um, illness. It could be whatever. So that's why I've chosen this picture. Influence. We all know what influence means. I don't think there's many young people that really don't in the room that don't know. They've all gone to Sunday school. Uh, but oh, it's the power to affect change, right? As, um, you know, what's his name? John Maxwell. I think he, he defines leadership as influence. We're trying to affect change in people. Um, and we come across this every day. I just thought about that. There are people every day trying to influence us. 
and it's not just online because you know there's a new job title out there called a social influencer uh, there they are getting not all I've read the stats by the way don't think that all social influencers are making money out of what they're doing I think it's like 10% really once they get a following are making money out of trying to influence people to do something or to believe something we call them social influencers um, have you heard of the acronym SEEM, S-E-M-E? -E. That's another type of influence that you might not be aware of. This is called social, um, no, not social, search engine manipulation effect. Search engine manipulation effect. So you might not know what a search engine is. Anyone not go on Google? to do a search on the internet, all right? If you don't use Google, oh, God bless you, okay? I'm sure you don't even go on the internet, do you, Pete? No, no. So just for those who are on the internet and you're searching for stuff, Google's the number one search engine. So what is manipulation effect? Well, people are finding that Google is manipulating their search results for particular things that are searched for by people and putting them on page two or page three where no one goes to. Who goes on page two and three in Google? No one. I'm sure you're like me. If it's not in the first three or five um, mentions of what you're trying to search for, you give up or you go search for something else. But there is evidence of Google manipulating search engine results just so we wouldn't find out about a particular thing that we're searching for. And that, can, and that ranges a whole lot of things that are happening in the world. But think about shops. Aren't they trying to influence us? They're trying to get us to buy their thing, right? And they influence us many ways, 50% off. What is with Robin's kitchen? Always a 50 or 70% off, right? And it gets a bit old. And so we... we um, we do different things like marked up to in small letters, 70% in big, big numbers, big font. It's all influence or attempt at influence. It's all around us. And as I devoted back here, what are we trying to influence? Who are we trying to influence? And as I said, we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1 this morning. Because as soon as I look up, I was doing some research on the title, Court to Influence, to see if anyone has taken it already. And thankfully, no one's done a sermon series on it, just a message, Court to Influence. But it's all about influencing the culture. And I say, hmm, should that be our primary objective, trying to influence the culture or is there someone else that we should be focusing on? Part of the reason I'm doing this series is because it reflects discipleship, reflects growth, personal growth, spiritual growth. And as I said at the Vision Sunday, QB, Queensland Baptist, which is our union that the church falls under, um, they are focusing this year on something on a priority called intentional discipleship intentional discipleship and so I thought I might as well do a series on discipleship and as I said it could go for however long 
I thought I'd use this morning also to quickly, I failed during the Vision 2024 um, Sunday about re remembering QB's priorities, but I have remembered them definitely, okay? So there's six priorities that they have, and they go through one each year. The first one is, um, oh my goodness. Um, no, it's just, it's, it's about the Bible, but um, <laughs> I just forget the words that they use for the first one, my goodness. Um, it's the only one that doesn't go along with uh, our, you know, our five purposes of the church. It's about the Word of God being um, the Word of God. It's not, not uh, there's no mistakes in it, it's, it's, it's infallible. Biblical authority, thank you very much. You can, t yeah, all right, thank you, thank you. Biblical Biblical authority, thank you. And then we go to faith-filled prayer. Faith-filled prayer was one. We did that a few years ago. And then when we focus on um, f uh, fellowship, they call their priority um, collaborative autonomy. So collaborating, fellowshipping with other churches within QB and, and, and collaborating, so helping each other out. And then the next purpose of the church being, um, being uh, we call it uh, discipleship, intentional, intentional discipleship, they call it priority. And then we go to the per next purpose of the church being, I'm not sure if you remember these off by heart, but uh, it's called, it's called, yeah, praising Jesus and ministry. Yeah, ministry as well. Um, so when it comes to ministry, um, QB's priority is um, because they're a hierarchy, they're equipping the, the leaders, and so they call it servant leadership, servant leadership. And so I'm going to go one more, which is mission, it's our evangelism, another purpose of the church, and so that, that their priority, which we did, I think last year, was effective mission. How can we be better resourced to be a, a better missionary? All right, what will this series look like? Well... To start off with, I just want to go through the who, what, where, when, and why of influence, and that will take a, a number of weeks to do that, probably the whole of term one, which um, is a lot of things to discuss with the five W's. And then we'll go into the H, the how, how do we influence, and the various passages that cause us to reflect on how we can influence. QB has a series coming out, so I'm going to incorporate that into this series so you could call these sub-series if you want, but um, I'm going to adopt and, uh, and modify QB's series that they're coming out with that resources us with uh, discipling each other. I have to do a leadership sub-series, what it means to be a leader, because who is the most powerful when talking, looking at that arrow, who would have the most amount of influence in a church? The leader, leaders. Now, leaders is very important in a body of believers rather than leader. And so we're in this phase where, wow, I would love to have more leaders, but you just can't put anyone in anyone in leadership. It's probably the number one warning that I've been given by my mentors to beware who you put into leadership because it changes the whole church. It can change the whole church. So leadership, we're going to do a series on leadership, hopefully inspire some people in here to step up and, and feel the calling to leadership, or at least work towards that direction. And then we have to go into later in the year, I'm just holding this off as long as I can, talking about men and women in particularly leadership, 
And you might be looking at me puzzling, what are, you, what are you talking about, Tim? Well, do yourself a favor and just read 1 Corinthians chapter 14 this week. And towards the end of the chapter, you will read, Women be silent in the church. Well, we've broken that rule today. So what's going on? Am I not following biblical principles? And so I think we should have discussions about that and study God's word to better find out why in the world is that passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, among many others, particularly when it comes to teaching God's word. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. You know, I'm just, I'm just, I was thinking, man, tempted, tempted just to be silent for 20 minutes. Look at this verse, meditate upon it, and then apply it to our lives silently. I think God can, would speak quite powerfully to us. But I'm hoping you just don't reflect on this verse just today for the next 20 minutes. Hopefully, it's throughout the whole year. But this will be constantly in the back of your mind every single minute of your life. Question. You have to ask this question. Who is Paul trying to get to imitate him? If you say, and this is where I come back to finding any sermon about being, having the calling to influence, it's all about influencing the culture. So the, question, the answer, one of the answers might be, well, is Paul trying to get the culture around him, unbelievers, to imitate him as he imitates Christ? And that would be a whole lot of wasted time if we were trying to get our non-believing friends and family to try to imitate us. It's a waste of time because it still sends them to hell. Behavior does not get you into heaven. It's a simple fact. It's a simple truth. And if you still believe that, then please stick around. Hopefully, one day you'll find out it's just faith that gets you into heaven. It's faith that causes you to have a relationship with God. And faith alone. Faith alone. So it has to be believers that he's addressing. And so if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, which I have no idea why they put that in chapter 11, because the rest of the chapter is not about that. It's pretty much in the finish to chapter 10. So the end of chapter 10 is way, a specific ways in which Paul's trying to get them to imitate him, and that's pretty much just exercising your freedom in Christ with integrity. To the point, very similar to Romans 14, exercising your liberty in Christ, your freedom, your spiritual freedom that you have, because we're not under the law, but to do it with love. We don't always do it with love. But I am confident, and I'll say this out loud, 100% confident that Paul is not just talking about this particular area in his life. I am convinced he's talking about absolutely every area of his life. And so let's apply this verse to us.
Well, wait. Straight away, you've gone there maybe. Have you even thought about this? Nah, that's way too much pressure. I want someone to imitate me? No way. I'm sure we've all been there. And some might be that way right now. Too much pressure. Why is it too much pressure? Why do we allow ourselves to get into this, I would say, rebellious attitude? These are some excuses that I hear and that I've used myself. Wife gets in the way. You know, I'm busy with my job right now. I can't do it. I'm busy with family. I'm busy with all this stuff that life is just, I'm bombarded with. And by the way, before I go any further, just to make sure we're all on the same page, some of these excuses are legitimate. Some are. But that's between you and God. It's got nothing to do with me. All my job is just to maybe put it on the table just for you to think about. Life gets in the way. I think that's a big one. Big one. I knew. And all these consequences that have happened. But yeah. Anyway, next one. Allergies to accountability. We hate accountability. We do not want to be accountable to anyone. It's my life. You have no right to judge me. I don't want that accountability. Kind of allergic to it. Another excuse, this is just for leadership. Now, it's only if you decide to be a leader in the church, then they should be the people to imitate. Got nothing to do with me. I'm just a regular pew sitter. I'm happy to just do my thing. Don't, don't copy me. Is it just for leadership? Is Paul just addressing leaders in this passage? Obviously not. Been here, done that plenty of times. Still get trapped in it. Apathy. Laziness. We are just not bothered even to go there. We just don't go there. No. It's going to push me out of my comfort zone. No. Ultimately, this is more of a reason that it's too much pressure rather than an excuse. It's just evidence of spiritual immaturity in our lives. Might be the case where we are still just spiritual babes. And what I was thinking about this week was, hey, let's just... I'll give, you, I'll give you some time to do a, 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 an adjustment since, um, yeah, obviously. I speak louder than the average Joe. 
it's just my passion coming through. But uh, <laughs> what I was thinking about this week is that, let's just say I get saved at 21. At 30 years old, nine years being saved, man, I had a good, good, good fly. I'm, I'm right up there. I'm being mature. Now, just because I'm mature at 30, does that necessarily mean I'll be mature at 40? No. Why can't our maturity, just like our own maturity, fluctuate? Don't we have to really work on making sure we stay mature? Just thought about that. It's a continual process. But spiritual immaturity, a great indication, it's, to me it's the primary indication that we just don't want to go there, it's too much pressure. Now, why should we each apply ourselves to 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1? Why should we each put ourselves in this verse and obey it, live it out? Well, that's pretty much what the message is about this morning. Three reasons I'm going to give. There's probably more, but I've summed up into three. But before we even go there, I came across this quote. I don't know who this guy is. In order to have influence, you have to be influenced. Does that make sense to you when you're related to a Christian? If you are going to get yourself in a place where you allow yourself or allow other people to imitate you, you want to be there, don't you have to be influenced yourself first? More than likely, you're imitating someone else just to get to that point. I'm finding that a lot through so many churches out there. You wonder, you just wonder how many people are sitting in the pews. I'll just say even in Harvey Bay. Maybe even in here. I don't know. But you're not even willing to be influenced by what we're talking about today. Some people might be here at church just to do whatever. And I'm not going to get into those reasons. We have to have the willingness to be influenced. Now, I have a notice here. And I'm in a blank right now, so I'm just going to skip that notice until I think of why I put that notice up there. Until further notice, thank you. Number one, growth. I'll take it as the Holy Spirit didn't want me to say it, so yeah. Um, number one, growth. Growth. Ah, further notice is no longer further. I got it. The notice I was going to give is when you look at these three reasons, one flows on to the next. In other words, you don't really do three until you do one. You don't really do two until one is done. You do one, and then you get to two, and then you get to three. Sometimes they all happen at once, but more, I, more than likely, you, can't, you won't do three unless you do one. Growth, growth. Plenty of scriptures that tell us, instruct us to grow in our faith. And one I just plucked out is the story of Epaphras. This is found in Colossians chapter 4, verse 12, if you can't read that on the screen. Epaphras, since this is Paul writing, 
He's writing about Epaphras, a fellow laborer in the Lord. Epaphras is always struggling, it's an interesting word, struggling or wrestling for you in his prayers. What's he praying for? In order that you might stand mature and having been fully assured in all the will of God. That's a prayer that Epaphras has for the church at Colossae. That we would be mature. Because we can put ourselves simply in that church, in that place. That we would stand mature and having been fully assured in all the will of God. So in other words, that all the Christians would be assured that what you're doing, God desires you to do it. The will of God, God's desires, God's purposes. Yep. Now, this is interesting because everyone who lives on milk, this is found in Hebrews 5, verses 13 and 14, everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. So just take some moments to reflect that. Unskilled in the world of righteousness since he is a child. Relate that back to Colossians chapter 4. And we're thinking about, wow, am I mature enough to know that what I'm doing is something that God desires me to do? Or could it be actually classed as unrighteousness? It's like we have to be skilled in what righteousness is. We have to be aware of what is righteous. And that's to do with our minds, renewing of our minds. It's interesting here, the next verse says, but solid food, solid food. And so when you say solid food, he's referring to the deep, deeper truths of who God is and his love for us. Because I could just say this morning, hey, God loves you. He died on the cross for you. Go home and remember it, live by it. Very shallow. But we can get a bit deeper than that. But only, only mature Christians. Solid food is for the mature. Now, the next phrase, the, the verse, reflects the characteristics of what a mature believer looks like. They who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Why, isn't that just what the Holy Spirit does? Well, that's part of it. But we're being instructed to train ourselves to distinguish between good and evil. Be aware of it. It tells me that maybe we might easily fall into traps and temptations where we're tempted to think, oh, what I'm doing is not so bad after all. Now, this is all to do with growth in our faith, spiritual growth. If I get to the point where I'm willing to say, just like Paul, imitate me just as I imitate Christ. And obviously, I'm a pastor, so I have to say it. <laughs> you really get a choice. Thank you. 
But for us all to do it, who benefits? We do. Don't we want our faith to mature? Don't we want to be spiritual? What the world says spiritual? Strong in faith? Particularly for when those times come, the valleys. So who benefits yourself? Number two, reproduction. This is a second reason I think we should be able to, on why we should apply this verse to ourselves. Reproduction. Reproducing ourselves. Do you want yourself to be reproduced? Not with specific personality traits. Let's get this right. But the way you live out your life. Here's some verses that reflect trying to build one another up. Because that's what really what pre reproduction is. If you are strong in your faith, then shouldn't our desire be for everyone to be strong in our faith? Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up. Now, can you build one another, another person up if you are not built up yourself? Obviously not. That's First Thessalonians 5.11 if, if you're recording verses. Um, another one, Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And so my question is, how can I build someone up according to their needs if I don't even know what their needs are? It's like I have to go out of my way to find out what their needs are. And if their need is particularly in this particular area, and I am struggling with that myself, how in the world can I build them up? How can I help them with that need? if I myself am suffering with it. Another one is Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. Encourage one another daily. I just find that word interesting. Daily? We just have trouble doing it once a week. How do we do it daily? And this question is answered with the varying capacities that we have. Okay? There are some people in this room that actually do do it daily but they had the capacity to do it. A lot don't because of our culture, the way we have to actually work to put food on the table and not just that, maybe buy a nice car and, and all that stuff that we're tempted to do. Now, encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. I think we're getting to that today more, the, the coming, pretty much you could say end day or the day of judgment, the day of the Lord, anything. So that... None of you, this is interesting, none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Ouch. I thought only unbelievers get hardened. This is not for an unbeliever. Why are we encouraging unbelievers? And why would the unbelievers be worried about the day of the Lord? This is to the Christians. It shows me that we can be tempted to be hardened by sin. Who knows a Christian that's stubborn right now and what they're doing? You know it's terrible. 
but they are not willing to address it. They don't want anything to do with you because you have addressed it. They're hardened, right? Sin's deceitfulness. They're being, oh, what's the verb for deceit? You've been not deceited. Thank you. Deceived. I'm no longer a teacher, so I don't have to have excuses. I can be deceived. We can be deceived. And then finally, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24, 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. How true is that today, as it was thousands of years ago? But encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Again, a reference to that day. The day is getting closer and closer. And there's all this stuff that's happening in the world that you might be freaking out over. Well, let's get together with some like-minded Christians and encourage one another. Stir one another up to love and good works because time's running out. But how can I stir one another up if I'm not even working, doing good deeds myself? What's the person meant to imitate through me? Who benefits in this situation with reproduction? Your local church. The stronger in our faith we are each individually, if you call this church your home, the stronger this church will be. That's a guaranteed fact. And number three, efficacy or effectiveness. I googled that you can use that word synonymously, except in the medical field. Now, our mission, we would be more effective Christians. Going back to our mission, what's our mission? Fulfilling the Great Commission. And we'll, Fraser Coast Baptist Church would highly reflect Matthew 5, 13 to 16. You are the salt of the earth. I should not reflect, by the way, depending on what verse you use. <laughs> but if the salt loses its flavor, obviously we don't want us to lose our flavor. How shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand and gives light to all who are in the house. And so verse 16, if Fraser Coast Baptist Church can be reflected in Harvey Bay like this, that would be, wow, so effective and so powerful. Verse 16 says, let your light so shine before men. And this is, you could say, men, humanity, everyone that they may see your good works and I would say think about glorifying your Father in heaven. It gets people to think when they see your good works. They say, oh, why are you doing that? Why are you volunteer there? You're giving up your beach time just to get together with a bunch of people and sit to this guy, sit and talk and listen to this guy who Raves on for half an hour, maybe 40 minutes today. 1 Peter 3.15, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with respect and, or gentleness and respect. I ask, how can we be prepared to give an answer 
if we don't even know how to properly express why I believe in Jesus Christ. I can't share a testimony. I don't even know how to share the gospel. It's just evidence of your spiritual immaturity. Our efficacy in this world on our mission would be hugely, greatly more powerful if we were more aware of the power of a personal invite. An invite to where? Wow. The opportunities are endless. You might say, church, yeah, but they've said no, Tim. Small group, yeah, but they've said no to that. I'm gathering. Last Saturday, everyone said no, except one person. When Steve Muller was here and proclaimed the gospel, casting out doubts about evolution versus creation, which is probably one of the biggest reasons people don't come to God, because they have been indoctrinated since school that evolution is just a science, it's just fact. But sadly, only one person from our church received a positive invite to that Saturday meeting. Only 13 people rocked up. What a great opportunity that was missed. I'm saying, I'm not judging. I'm saying, did all our invites say no? Or did we, were we just not aware that that could have been a great opportunity to start a conversation? And by the way, the person who did receive the invitation was an atheist. They entered this room, a church, and she was an atheist. Oh my goodness. But I'm thinking, that meeting should have been full, chockers full. Are we aware of the power of a personal invite? The invite, which I'm going to get to later in the year, the invite to read through the Bible with someone. Just an invitation. Hey, are you willing just to read some Bible stories with me? Maybe once a week and we can just discuss it. We'll get into that more later on in the year. So who benefits out of all this? The community benefits. Obviously, I'll say, I think, I don't know, to me it's logical. The more people that we have in Harvey Bay who are not just Christian but living like they're Christian, I think the better this community will be, right? I think it's just logic. So this is the question that we all have to ask. That's really what I'm asking today. That's, that's, that's it. Is every Christian called to influence? All right, go one step further. If that's yes, then right now, as the Holy Spirit counsels you, answer this question. Would you right now be able to invite your closest friend or even family member 
who's a Christian to imitate you in every part of your life. That's something that we should reflect on for the rest of the year. For the reasons that we just said. Growth, reproduction, efficacy. Called to influence. I think I've received affirmation that every person in this room is called to influence in varying capacities again. And this is where it's between you and the Lord. How can the Lord, how do you think the Lord is leading you into fulfilling that role here at Fraser Coast Baptist Church? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for that you don't just use random people to fulfill your purposes like you did in the olden days, such as learning about Noah, Lord, but you are able to use absolutely every Christian in this room throughout the world, and we actually do thank you for the privilege it is to be used as instruments for your purposes and your will. And so, once again, we commit ourselves to you, Lord. And if there's a space, if there's, if there's any negative responses to the questions that were presented this morning, may we each repent of that attitude and maybe even that behavior that we are struggling with, Lord. That's really our desire to do what you desire us to do, to be who you want us to be. We ask for your help. We continue to look to you as, as the provider of that need. We do this in Jesus' name. Amen.